0: Doug Miles with you tonight on the Sun Radio Network. All Sports Magazine is the name of the show, and that means you can call in and talk sports with us. 1-800-365-8833. And let's go to the phone lines right now and talk to Alan in Jackson, Mississippi. Hello, Alan.
1: Hey, how you doing?
0: Pretty good. How about you? Just fine. What's on your mind today? I'm trying to
1: find out if anybody maybe would have known what happened to a player that used to play for the Saints back in the uh, 60s when they first were going. A guy by the name of Steve
0: Stonebreaker. Steve Stonebreaker? No, I don't remember him.
1: He was. Uh, was he in
0: their first year?
1: It was probably the first and second year. I was. Uh, I'm in my early forties now, but back then I was a Boy Scout and used to usher some of the games. <laughs> and of course they lost every game. And about halfway through the game, they needed something for excitement down there. So uh, Stonebreaker well, used to start a big fight. <laughs> and I mean, it was—he'd uh, start a good one. And he got fined real bad a lot of times, and they had people before the games at the gates to take up collections to pay his fines. So he was the only site where the Saints had to go in for him. But I haven't heard the name in a long time, and I just wondered whatever happened to him.
0: Yeah, maybe somebody out there could uh, call in and let us know. I I don't know what happened to him. I I remember, maybe you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and in their first game, the Saints, didn't they run the opening kickback for a touchdown? Yeah. And then after that, it kind of went downhill. It's straight right? downhill. <laughs> well, now they're doing well. I mean, you've got they're to be happy fine. with Jim Moore, huh?
1: It's about time, of course. We've always said all along down here that uh, you know, give them a little time. They're still an expansion team.
0: I tell you, once they uh, hired Jim Moore, I guess, about four years ago out of the USFL, he's done an outstanding job. I think he's he led them to the playoffs, what, 12-4? and four, He's really three, four done Four years good. ago and uh, undefeated now. Yeah. Great job. And it uh, just goes to show, once you get an owner in there that uh, commits to a winning uh, type attitude, uh, any team can turn it around. You're right. How do you like uh, them this week against Philly?
1: Right, I think they'll do good. I think they've got their, their own way to, to you know, they're going to do something really good this year.
0: I hope so. I've always been uh, kind of a, a Saints fan in a way. Uh, they've just been such doormats for so long, but it's good to see them doing well. Yeah. Anything else on your mind?
1: I'll do it. I appreciate
0: it. Okay, we'll try and get somebody to uh, let you know. It's okay. Kevin, Kevin Stonebreaker or Steve Stonebreaker? Uh, Steve. Okay, if anybody out there knows uh, his whereabouts, so give us a call here. Thanks for calling, Alan. Okay, thanks. Okay, Alan in uh, Jackson, uh, Mississippi. Steve Stonebreaker, one of the uh, characters, I guess, of the early uh, New Orleans Saints. Uh, they've had some uh, very unusual characters in their history of the NFL, and uh, that did happen. They ran their opening kickback for a touchdown uh, back in, what, 1968, I believe was their first year in the league, back at the old Tulane Stadium. And then it kind of went downhill from then on, and uh, once uh, they hired uh, Jim Mora's coach, got a a new owner in there, they just uh, have turned it around. It's good to see a franchise that uh, has great fan support down there in the Cajun country doing well. Let's go back to the phone lines and uh, let's head up to Boston, Massachusetts, and talk to Jeff, and uh, actually Lowell, Mass. Hello, Jeff.
2: Hi. How, How are you are doing ya? tonight? Hey, listen, this is a little strange, but I'd like to, to to try and find out what people think in different parts of the country and what happened to the Boston Red Sox. We're all Blue Blood, blue blood fans down here. Uh, in our perspective, it's because of Joe Morgan or, or this or that, but I, I feel this differently. But I'd like to find out what people really think. Uh, not being so close to the situation. Maybe that might help us.
0: I'd say I was very surprised the other day when Joe Morgan got the axe. I mean, this oh, guy yeah. turned it around about four years ago. Yeah. Remember, They brought him in, and then they won, like, seven, what, 13, 14 in a row? or uh, 19, I think. 19 in a row. And uh, yeah. I mean, this year they were out of it pretty much in August and, and made a good run at it. Until in the last couple of weeks they kind of fell apart, but there's no reason to fire him. Yeah.
2: Well, we're all kind of wondering what's going on. He, The guy had two first places and two seconds.
0: What and more can you do? Yeah, what more can you do? for and I'm just
2: wondering if anybody could call in and, and say what, what they saw from a different part of the country, because we all see things differently. And maybe it would help, you know, poor Butch Hobson who has to take over for, for him. Uh,
0: I, I know I saw in an interview with uh, Morgan after he got fired the next day, he was just... Uh, Kind of exasperated over the egos, some of the guys he had to deal with. I guess Jack Clark would be number one on that list. uh, Right,
2: and another thing is, what is Butch Hopson going to do with Clark and Greenwell and and all these egos? It's it's really, and Morgan said that, too, in another interview. What could I do? He threw his hands up, they won't listen, and Paul Butch has his work cut out for him.
0: I know they just got uh, Zip Zimmer. Don Zimmer is going to be a coach. Yeah. Uh, he was back there in the late 70s as manager and, and coach. Maybe yeah. he can help a little bit. Zip uh,
2: Zimmer and Hobson brought in his, all the coaches that he's familiar with. Uh, but I think Butch is going to be in for some trouble. They say Butch is a tough guy, but he hasn't come up against a clock or a Greenwell yet.
0: It's awfully tough to uh, motivate a guy making $3 million a year. If he doesn't want to do something, what are you going to uh, do? He's got a guaranteed contract.
2: And everyone is... Aghast at the way they complained with the money they're making.
0: Yeah, I, I I can never figure that out. These guys are making so much money. I mean, if I was making that kind of money, I'd uh, I might even clean out the uh, the lockers if I had. To. Yeah,
2: you know, take the injury and, and leave. I mean, and, and poor Matt Young. I mean, I, I just don't know. But I would like to see if anybody could call in and, and give us their version of what they saw, and then hopefully Butch is listening, and he can get some ideas on what to do, other than looking through the knothole at the field. If you know what I mean. Hey,
3: Doug, I appreciate the uh, the call.
2: Well, one more thing I just sure. want to stand off on, if I could, ride Absolutely. This whole
3: uh, Shoal Creek Golf Club thing. I don't know if you've talked about that on the show so far. That's, a- that's on the agenda. This whole thing uh, with the- golf club that's going to be hosting the PGA not letting any uh, blacks in has really caused a big uh, furor and I think it's about time uh, golf in the last uh, 30, 40, 50 years has really gotten away with a lot of uh, discriminatory practices you look at some of these uh, old time uh, members and uh, directors of these clubs uh, especially the guy of the Masters a guy named Ward Harden he practically runs uh, the whole television telecast of, of the Masters by CBS here's a guy that just doesn't have any clue and I think that's uh, pretty prevalent among these uh, golf clubs, these stodgy members with these outdated, uh, outdated rules and regulations. I think it's about time that uh, these sponsors and the, and the golfers got together and did some to change it. Well, right now, many of the sponsors, including Anheuser-Busch, uh, Delta Airlines, I understand, might be pulling out, and several other sponsors as well are uh, going to be taking some action, and rightly so. I think so, too. It's it just crazy discriminatory racial uh, practices uh, in in professional sports, and and it's nuts. There's plenty of money out there. There's no reason to uh, have any kind of uh, discrimination at all. Well, that uh, particular topic is definitely on the agenda, and we'll be picking that up probably very shortly. Doug Miles, I appreciate it. Hope to see you in the studio soon. Okay, Ryan. Good talking to you. Thanks a lot.
0: Talk about tough jobs. How would you like to be the one to determine this year's most valuable player in the NBA? With the regular season ending this Sunday, sports writers around the country have to make up their minds and send in their MVP ballots. Now, let's say you're a sports writer and you're given a ballot. What goes through your mind? First of all, you have to determine what MVP means. Does it mean the league's most valuable player? Or do you break it down to mean the player on a team without whom that team would not win? It makes a difference in how you'd vote. I prefer to go with the latter definition. Another question you have to ask is what statistics do you use? Do you go strictly on average points per ball game? Or how about rebounds or block shots? As you can see, it's not easy. Now you may be saying, come on, Doug, it's not that difficult. The MVP's obviously got to be Michael Jordan, who's tearing up the league and scoring. The Bulls would be nowhere without Air Jordan. Others would say, where would the Celtics be without Larry Bird? They're a 500-ball club minus the Birdman. And how about the Atlanta Hawks flying without their human highlight film Dominique Wilkins? And where would the Lakers be without Magic Johnson? or the Blazers, Les Clyde Drexler. And what about, well, you get the idea. It's an almost impossible task. The NBA has an embarrassment of riches and talent, making the MVP race each year a battle almost as close as the Democratic primaries. I think Michael Jordan is going to get the nod this time. He's totally carried the Bulls into play of contenders while averaging 35 points per ballgame and putting on a nightly show from city to city that P.T. Barnum would have envied. That's my two cents. I'm Doug Miles for the Sun Radio Network. Another potentially great NBA career might have been ruined by that deadly demon substance cocaine. Last week, University of Florida basketball standout Vernon Maxwell admitted to using the drug several times during the season. Now, I don't want to appear unsympathetic, but one of these athletes and people in general are going to get the message to stay away from that stuff. I realize it's a powerful addiction, and anybody who has a drug problem deserves help. But when is it going to sink in? Anyone who starts to use drugs now after all the tragic examples like Lynn Bias and Michael Ray Richardson should have their head examined. One thing the NCAA has got to do is crack down on drug use. Any athlete who uses illegal substances should be suspended for at least one full year. And if the athlete is a senior like Vernon Maxwell, the NBA should ban him from the draft for at least a year. Too many times the athlete who admit a drug problem is given a hand slap. Make some promise to enter a rehab clinic, and that's that. The only way to stop this madness is to make strong examples of these athletes so youngsters in high school and even elementary school realize it will not be tolerated in college. For some people, it's not enough to just say no. They have to be told no again and again. That's my two cents. I'm Doug Miles for the Sun Radio Network.